0: Welcome to the Reckoning Podcast, where we stoke a campfire, gather around and have real life conversations with old friends, new friends, professionals, and just shoot the shit. Reckoning all things from hunting, outdoors, beauty, entrepreneurship, relationships, life, and more. It's all just a reckoning. If you have been following along for a while now, you have heard me mention Heather's Choice multiple times. They're a line of dehydrated meals and snacks for adventures, and they're honestly unlike any other dehydrated meals out there. They feel like gourmet meals that are prepared with organic and whole foods. They're incredible, and I could not be more excited this week to be joined by Heather Kelly the founder and CEO of Heather's Choice. Heather's Choice is based in Anchorage, Alaska, and Heather is a born and raised Alaskan two-time NCAA national champion in women's rowing, sports nutritionist, certified eating psychology coach, and a business mentor. When she's not working on Heather's Choice, you can find her digging in her garden, rafting rivers, or playing with food. On this episode, I had so much fun getting to sit down and get to know Heather and discuss growing up in Alaska, her first experiences outdoors, and her vivid memories of becoming a river rafting guide, plus what it was like being a college athlete, which led her to learn more about nutrition and the psychology of eating. And of course, we discuss how Heather's choice came to be the ups and downs of entrepreneurship when starting a business and the changes over the years, plus what's to come with Heather's Choice. We also talk about recipe development, what it's like creating recipes for the meals and coming out with them, and a day in the life of a CEO. I'm stoked for you to get to know Heather. I am kind of a foodie, and I guess after I think of this question, every time I ask someone, I'm like, maybe it makes me a little nosy too. But when someone walks up to the campfire, I'm like, so like what you drinking or like, what are you eating? Oh, I, <laughs> I love can't it. help, but no. So what is your go-to snack and drink around the fire? If you're just hanging out with friends, chilling.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is really timely. Cause we just did our annual company retreat. So just took our mm-hmm. whole staff out on a camping trip. So I'm like, well, this weekend, I probably <laughs> had a mug of boxed red wine just because, you know, we're camping. <laughs> yeah. Easier to take. Totally. I have yeah. my boxed wine in my trailer too. Totally. And then I am, I'm like, I'm salty. Like I always go for salty mm-hmm. snacks. So I typically go for something like salted mixed nuts, but I will pick all of the Brazil nuts out of there and eat those first. So uh-huh. yeah, I try to stay on like the pseudo healthy side of things. It's nothing really exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. I am savory salty over like the sweet situation. And if you like, if someone gets chips out, it oh, that's yeah. like, that's my kryptonite.
1: Totally <laughs> chips. I and can't. then popcorn would be like a pretty close second for a, a food with no breaks is the way I would describe it. <laughs>
0: yes. Take it away from me. <laughs> Take it away. It's so interesting because I like to ask people, you know, how was it that you got introduced to the outdoors? But I mean, you you grew up and live in Alaska. So you're surrounded by outdoors. I assume that's probably just way life really.
1: I think so. And then I also reflect back to my parents who are, you know, they're, I wouldn't call them outdoorsy people, right? Like my Mm. dad, is an entrepreneur. And in my childhood years, he spent a lot of time framing houses or building his brewery. And then my mom would take me car camping, you know, like we would do those sorts of things, but Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in a household that was like, okay, kids load up your backpack off we go. And it was actually 10 years ago. I just got this notification on Facebook that a memory popped up of my first backpacking trip. That was again, 10 years ago. And I had no concept of how to pack a backpack right like
0: mm-hmm. I was
1: one of those people that had just about everything strapped to the outside of it and I think I wore no I think I carried my extra tough so I like carried my rubber boots knowing we were going to be doing some creek crossings and my pack was so unbelievably heavy <laughs> mm-hmm. and just reflecting back on that like I feel like sometimes that introduction to the outdoors can be such a steep learning curve. And it definitely was for me, like, even though I had grown up snowboarding or fishing or rock climbing, putting on a backpack and knowing how to camp and pack all your stuff like that didn't come easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that wasn't just something I think. And you probably more than anyone get this is it there's probably this big misconception when it comes to someone hearing that you've grown up in Alaska, they immediately yeah. go to like Discovery Channel or like what you see, you know, like backcountry, um, homesteading. And it's Yeah.
1: And <laughs> there's, there's like an that. element of truth to that, right? Like mm-hmm. my grandparents homesteaded 10 acres just south of Anchorage in the 1950s pre-statehood. And there was definitely that sense of like it's summer, we're going to go dip netting and get 25 salmon per head of household and then 10 per family member, or I had uncles that would hunt. So like, there's some truth to it. And then there's also just that, you know, you can't, you don't necessarily do all of the sports at once. And I feel like Mm -hmm. for me, I've definitely gone through phases of, you know, learning about rafting and pack rafting and doing those sorts of trips and then getting super geeked on backpacking and then learning how to hunt and it's just been this like kind of slow progression for me of learning how to be an outdoors woman. It's
0: definitely an evolution over time too and I think that shifts with where you are in your in your journey in life. What was like your first vivid memory being outdoors?
1: Ooh. I think that it was probably the summer that I learned how to raft. So When i was 18 i was recruited by the local rafting company to come out and i thought i was going to be like the photographer right i didn't Mm -hmm. actually see myself getting on the oars i thought i was getting hired by this company to like shoot photos of the people going downstream and almost like disney world right (laughs) i thought (laughs) that's wave yeah exactly (laughs) i thought that's what i was signing up for and then so quickly they're like no you're getting in a raft and you're gonna row people around and that first summer, you know, we would, it was a really cool trip. We would meet up in Girdwood, we would drive to the train station. We would load all the gear and all the rafts and all the clients onto a train and then get dropped off at this glaciated Lake and get everybody suited up and blow up the boats and do all the things. And then we would row people through the icebergs and then raft down river and get back on the train. It's a super cool, unique trip. But that summer, I feel like really introduced me to how physically challenging it is. One, to like move an 18-foot raft full of people. You know, I'd have 10 clients at a time and they with me and I'm sitting behind the oars, like having to move these people around. And then dealing with weather and having mm-hmm. to like really keep not only your own attitude in check, but you're also responsible for like how good of a time are people having, right? Like you're not going to make any tips if you just like clam up and don't say anything to people because it's raining. Mm -hmm. And so that summer was so challenging for me at 18 years old and just really pushed me to my mental limits because I sucked. Like I was a terrible raft guy when I started (laughs) and I didn't have any upper body strength and I was so painfully shy. So that initial summer that, I feel like I was sort of brought into this really badass group of people that were willing to teach me a lot of things in a really condensed amount of time. I feel like I really changed as a person just from that first experience of being a guide.
0: Yeah, I can imagine you look back on that now and I can see why that's so vivid because that was like baptism by fire at 18. Now right. you're in charge of 10 people outdoors when you have like you're new to it all and then learning, I think, to communication and leadership and (laughs) different personalities that for sure can, can change a person. (laughs) So from river rafting, you are a guide with that. Do you go back a second year and do that or where do you go next?
1: Yeah. So I did that with the same company for five years. And so I would row rafts in the summer. And then when I went to college, I joined the women's crew team again, trial by fire, just like Don't know how I ended up there, but magically found myself getting up at four 30 in the morning and getting in the carpool and driving to the lake and being on the water and having my feet strapped into this boat. And I'm like, what am I doing here? This is so once again, it's so freaking hard and it's so novel and so new. So I was able to row rafts in the summer row racing shells in the winter did that for four years of college and five summers. And then I thought I was going to pursue my raft guiding career in Colorado. So like fresh out of college, I was like, look at me go, loaded all my shit into my pickup truck, took the ferry from Haynes, Alaska to Bellingham, drove out to Colorado that spring and was like, okay, I'm going to apply for every rafting company here and like get a job. And so quickly I realized one, I was spoiled living in Alaska and being on a river where we were the only guiding company. We didn't share the river with anybody else. Mm. All of a sudden I was living in Fort Collins, like paddle guiding on the Poudre River with 10 other companies, right? So like all of a sudden it's just not the same feel. It's not Mm -hmm. the same vibe. You have like these really intensive schedules. It's class three and four Whitewater with people who have no business getting into Whitewater. Like the whole vibe was just different. And so very, very quickly, I was like, I made a mistake. I don't want to be a raft guide anymore. (laughs) And that kind of led me to a whole different trajectory, which was nutrition coaching and working with CrossFit gyms. So I feel like my story is so bumpy and so sometimes random it feels like, but Mm -hmm. there's just been these opportunities that have continuously popped up for me that I've just jumped on and then it's changed everything. (laughs) <laughs> I think, I think that is definitely how
0: life, that's how my life is. At least I totally feel for you on that one. Cause it nothing ever like lines up, but then I look back and I'm like, Oh, but that makes sense because now I'm doing, or I'm utilizing this here. So I guess the lesson all in itself, when you talk about joining crew, that's like rowing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Cause yep. that's like, so I'm in Utah. Like we don't have <laughs> like a rowing that I know uh, of. I mean, there might be for all I know, the only kind of, Knowledge I have of rowing is literally at the CrossFit gym, like one oh, yeah, to die, trying to burn calories. Right. <laughs> oh
1: my God. Anytime there's a CrossFit workout that has the ERG programmed into it, I won't mm-hmm. go. Like that <laughs> just brings back so many crazy memories of crew because we would have to row three 2Ks for time every Wednesday and submit our times to our coach. Ugh. And that was part of how he decided what boats we were in we also had to submit our weight because you had weighted erg scores and so like in my mind there is nothing more difficult than like a really fast 2000 meter row on an erg and i won't do it ever again
0: <laughs> i don't blame you
1: because <laughs> a lot of times at a gym it's like an
0: every six month thing and that's when there's like crickets happening you're like son of a bitch, I showed up today i didn't check what was happening. totally just turn but doing around that every out wednesday the door yeah no thank you you know what i love a good deal there's nothing like seeing something where it's like majorly marked down you can't just help yourself right let me tell you about camo fire hunting deals so big they should be illegal gear up to 50 to 70 percent off of the best hunting brands brands like stealth cam vortex mystery Ant, and more this is a place you've got to get onto if you love a good marketplace you're going to love seeing all of the major markdowns on the top brands of hunting gear things that you know you need you know it's coming up fast and you need to see what's happening if you want to check out these deals go to the reckoningpodcast.com forward slash camo fire or scroll up on the podcast app that you're listening to and go to camo fire it'll be highlighted and click on that and you can start shopping 50 to 70 percent off the best hunting brands So I would imagine at that point, as you're going through, and now you're like, I'm going to be this river raft guide. You're getting better at packing things and doing things. And then you, did you really have for nutrition and fitness at that point where you're transferring into CrossFit and training? Was that kind of all along the lines of your river rafting and going to college?
1: Yeah. So growing up here in Alaska, I was spoiled by having good quality food. And that was just sort of a, Mm -hmm. like, it's something that I took for granted for sure, that my mom would cook salmon and Alaskan grown peas and Alaskan grown potatoes. And like, there was just healthy food all the time. So then when I left for college to do crew, I was living in the dorms and suddenly it was like, ooh, there's maple donuts on the weekend, there's skim milk, there's cereal, there's like a hot food bar. It was just like, oh my gosh, there's all these fun foods that I never had before. Mm -hmm. And so quickly I got really freaking sick. Even though I was exercising 30 hours a week with crew practice, all of a sudden I had head to toe what felt like hives. And what I later found out was actually a full-blown psoriasis outbreak. And I didn't know that I was predisposed to an autoimmune condition or predisposed to psoriasis. But as soon as my diet changed, like, boom, all of a sudden, my whole immune system was just lit up. And so very, very quickly after going to some dermatologists and being recommended to get on, you know, some sort of steroid cream to tame the inflammation, I was like, I don't know much about nutrition, but like I kind of have an inclination that like whatever I'm doing right now with my freshman college diet is not working for me. So I basically spent the entirety of my college growing career, also learning everything I could about sports nutrition, because I won't say I wouldn't say that like I was predisposed to be really good at crew. Like I wasn't really a high school athlete. I didn't have any experience in the sport. Like I was coming in pretty freaking green. Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. run a 5k when I was a freshman in college. So there was again, this really steep learning curve. And I felt like good quality nutrition was kind of my secret weapon, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I'm not the fastest girl on my team, if I'm not the fittest, you know, right now, but Mm -hmm. I want to be really competitive and I want to be in that varsity eight, like it's kind of in my best interest to make sure that I'm eating healthy. So over the course of my college career, I learned a ton about eating for sport, paleo nutrition, gut health, like you would find me at the local food co-op doing my homework and drinking bottomless cups of coffee and just like geeking on all things food for that four years. And so during that time, I think the also like important crux of all of this is as a college female athlete in a sport that does track weight. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. we had weighted erg scores. I fell head first into all things disordered eating. My, my, sophomore in junior year and it was <laughs> rampant right like i learned how to count calories and i learned like oh if i eat 1500 calories a day like i start seeing weight come off of me really fast and this is really fun because like i can buy jeans that are smaller like people are noticing me like my weighted erg scores you know for a time were a little bit better like you kind of get that high from dieting, and you yeah. kind of get that high from like seeing your weight changing. And so I fell pretty far down that rabbit hole, and thankfully had enough people in my close network that were like, Girl, you look like shit. <laughs> you know, just like you don't look good, your performance is suffering. And I distinctly remember my coach wrapping his arm around me my sophomore year at nationals and being like, I want you to go home this summer and gain 10 pounds and come back ready to work next year. And like, it almost brings tears to my eyes just even thinking about that memory because I had worked so hard to do what I thought was the right thing with nutrition and be as like light as possible. Mm -hmm. And then to have to go home and basically undo everything that I had done but it did make a difference i gained 15 pounds that summer and i came back my junior year and got my seat in the varsity eight and stayed there through my senior year so all of that to say in the midst of learning about sports nutrition i also really got a crash course in eating psychology so after college i went and got my professional certification in eating psychology and i would say that that's maybe some of the most powerful nutrition knowledge that i have today like that is the thing that will either make or break somebody's diet adherence and will make or break somebody's experience of eating healthy
0: Mm -hmm. no and as a female having grown up in the 90s and early 2000s i like i feel that so hard and that listening to you say you're a college athlete you're working out 30 hours a week and if you're only eating 1500 calories I can't imagine the deficit you would be in and again like just the way that your mind's working and performance wise you're so damn lucky to have had those people around you that care enough to say that because I think so many times people get caught up in the praise of that and giving it as well it's And maybe it's being in the athletics too, where people are looking at it as performance and knowing, knowing a human body more than just an aesthetic.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Like I feel like there are sports like crew and CrossFit, a couple of sports that I've done that thankfully do champion like strength and performance for the most part. But there's also that subset of people that fall into that trap of like, Well, the lighter I am, the more pull-ups I can do, or the lighter I am, you know, the more likely I am to qualify for a lightweight boat. And then I'm going to be a top performing Mm -hmm. lightweight. And it's so slippery. And I feel Mm -hmm. like we need really, really, really good role models at every stage, especially as athletes. And thankfully I did. Again, I had teammates who were just freaking strong and -hmm. they modeled good eating habits and they modeled really good performance. And I was grateful to have more of those teammates than the teammates who were kind of downward spiraling into all things, disordered eating. And you, you see that if you're in a crew of 30 girls, like you can tell pretty quickly who's on the healthy end of the spectrum and who's on the struggle bus. Mm -hmm. So again, I feel like I just got lucky because my story is not consistent with all of the women I know who fell into that trap pretty early on.
0: Do you think there was like one key thing that helped you as you're gaining 15 pounds back? That's, that's a lot on someone's mind after you've been in this, like I'm so little deficit kind of a situation. Do you think there was something In your mindset that was helping you overcome whatever battles you were having with the skill.
1: I think so when I came back to Alaska that summer, so sophomore year, I lost a ton of weight the summer after I came back to Alaska to raft guide again, and was with kind of that same group of people who had seen me the summer previous and kind of had some inkling of like what I had looked like before. And I distinctly remember them just making pretty small passing comments of like, you know, muscles heavier than fat, or like, you got to be strong if you're going to do this job. And like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't that fun for me to be so caught up in dieting that like, I couldn't go get pizza and beer with my coworkers after work, or I would burn out pretty fast. And I wouldn't be able to do the job at a really good capacity, or I didn't have the energy to work all day and then go for a hike in the evening. You know, like there was a kind of a whole culture with the team of people that I worked with in the summer that if I had stuck to the stringent calorie counting diet program that I'd put myself on, I would have isolated myself from this group of people pretty strongly. And that, Mm. that wasn't what I wanted. Like I wanted to be a part of this community and I wanted to have a great summer and I wanted to Feel good look good all of that so I think there were just really subtle comments from people that I really looked up to that really helped me shift my mindset to like okay I can do this it's safe for me to put this weight back on and I'm actually going to perform better
0: and that's an important factor too is you're able to perform and fueling your body properly being able to do so I think goes a long ways
1: totally and I I feel like there's so much to be said for that of just what what does fueling look like for you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where it takes so much trial and error and so much connection with your own appetite or your own sleep schedule or the foods that you really like and incorporating those into the picture. And it's sort of a lifelong journey because the diet that worked for you and made you feel strong five years ago is likely not the same thing that you eat now. And so I feel mm-hmm. like that's where it's so important for people to either have a coach or have resources or whatever they need to help them identify, like what actually does work for your body? Because I also remember in my CrossFit days, like the big thing that was pushed was the zone diet. Right. And like, sure. I followed the zone diet, lost a ton of weight, but like, once again, my performance just fell through the floor. Like it wasn't there anymore. And having to, once again, conduct another experiment and say like, okay, how much food do I need to feel my best and to perform my best? And to know that that is going to change every time I get a little bit older, every time Mm -hmm. I change the level of activity that I'm doing. So I also would say that going on more backpacking trips also helped me really really put two and two together that the amount of food and the quality of food that I was eating was going to directly impact my ability to sustain multiple days of effort, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're on a hunting trip, if you under eat on Monday and you're getting back up on Tuesday to go pack more miles, like you're going to feel it. And it's going to be kind of this compounding effect where you're like, ugh, I don't have anything to give on day five. And then all of a sudden you're putting yourself in potentially a really dangerous situation because you can't perform and you can't get yourself out of there. So I do think that my backcountry experiences sort of helped me overcome whatever funkiness I had going on with food.
0: So at this point, you've got like your autoimmune disease, or is that when you're trying to, you're starting to clean up your diet and by cleaning it up, I mean, like with probably whole foods, I would assume, and figuring out what's irritating you.
1: Yeah, I somehow I went to sort of like a hippie dippy school. So again, I got really, really lucky in the stuff I was exposed to. But there was a class that I was in, I don't remember what the class was, but we had some sort of experiment to conduct with monitoring our blood sugar levels. And so it was like pre post and fasting glucose. And I was like, This shit's super interesting. Like I was really geeked <laughs> yeah. on it. And at the same time, I also stumbled across a relatively new book called The Paleo Diet for Athletes. And for whatever reason, it just made a lot of sense to me. But I would have my sports nutrition sort of textbook, right, that really praises eating a lot of carbohydrates, like bagels and rice and pasta and this, that and the other oatmeal, I would eat like an ungodly amount of oatmeal in college. And then I had this other book that was saying like, nope, grains, dairy, refined sugars, too much fruit, like all those things are really going to have a negative impact on your body composition, your gut health, this, that, and the other. And so it took me some time to sort of make that transition away from the really high carbohydrate, low fat endurance athlete diet over to something that resembled much more of a primal diet a la, uh, the primal blueprint by Mark Sisson. But when I made that shift and like to this day, that's a lot closer to how I eat, I don't have psoriasis outbreaks anymore. And if I ever do, it's because I'm, uh, allowing myself to indulge in things like pizza and beer (laughs) (laughs) so quickly, my body's like, "Mm -mm -mm. no, 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 (laughs) same, same.
0: I uh, have the same way. That's actually how I came across you is my husband had heard you on another podcast and I am the same. I eat fairly paleo. It's hard just to like bracket something, I guess, but starches, man, irritate me. Potatoes, beer, gluten. I feel you. So when it's yeah. like, when I do it, I, I pay the consequences and it's even seems like, man, even just a couple weeks with I got get hives on like my by my mouth. I get swelly belly, and I have really bad endometriosis, and that all flares too. So nutrition has totally piqued my interest after kind of starting to figure out what my body needs and what you know food is. They always say food is medicine and poison, and for me, that really kind of rings true.
1: Right, and I think that when you have those firsthand experiences of like. Kind of testing your limits right it's like being a teenager and you're like can i get away with sneaking out the back window mm-hmm. and going drinking with my friends <laughs> or like no i didn't get away with that like it's sort of that playfulness yeah. for me with food of like can i get away with eating sourdough bread and like uh mm-hmm. and drinking wine and my body's like no you can't not not if you don't want to mm-hmm. feel like this not if you don't want to wake up in the morning and be like oh Gross. Uh-huh. I feel awful. So that feedback loop from our body can be so quick, but it's up to us to actually listen to that stuff and to pay attention and to actually heed some of the advice our body is giving us in subtle mm-hmm. or not so subtle ways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. I uh yeah, sometimes
1: they get really pissed. <laughs> yep.
0: There was a time like Back in December when I started to figure out now I'm like, hey I can't have potatoes. I can't like starchy shit just bugs me. But it's like Christmas time and I'm like, you know what? Like anything potatoes basically if it has modified food starch in it, that like is derived from potato. So a whole bunch of packaged stuff is out of question for me. But it's like Christmas time, and I'm like, well, we're making cookies and I'm the one making the ingredients and it just has flour in it, whatever, you know, doing little things. Oh, I paid so big, man. My endo was so flared and just like the inflammation in my body was like up 10 pounds, just retaining water and irritated and just hurting like nobody's business. And I just remember being <laughs> so pissed from like figuring it out what's going on. It's like, we need to eliminate glue and like glue is not working for your body. And I, I had a little pity party. i like, Now I can't even have fluid. Like, are you kidding me? I can't eat anything anymore. This sucks. But then after my pity party, it was like, you know what? No, I still look at all the things I still can have. And there's so many things that I can adapt and make work and (laughs) it's worth it. It's worth it.
1: Yeah, I feel like my body's going through that phase now where it's like, I know you used to really like margaritas. I know that you thought tequila was like a safe alcohol for you to drink, not anymore, like you can't have it. And I'm like, no, I've given up like so many other things like my spicy margaritas are gonna be a thing of the past. (laughs) <laughs> oh
0: sad now do like rosé with a slice of jalapeno or something Ooh,
1: yeah it's right And I think that's where again it's kind of that that constant evolution and that willingness to listen to your body and I, mm-hmm. I imagine for your husband it's not so much that he notices like oh my belly's a little distended or like I'm up 10 pounds yeah for him it's probably more like a sense of like, man, I'm not recovering from my workouts, my joints Mm -hmm. hurt, like I kind of have brain fog in the morning. And we all have that feedback loop. It's just sometimes it's so subtle, or some of those things become accepted as your your normal kind of your baseline. And Mm -hmm. that's where elimination diets can come in and sort of help you determine like, Oh, me waking up and feeling like this is not doesn't have to be normal. Like mm-hmm. it can actually be way better.
0: Oh yeah, no, totally. And I think for him too, cause at one point when I first discovered like the starch and potato situation for him, it was kind of like, okay, like, all right, hippy dippy whatever, you know? But then when he started seeing genuinely the difference it was making in my brain fro- fog in, you know, my freaking skin was just like, always had boils and cystic acne on it and my stomach feeling better I was no longer just like aching and miserable it's been pretty fun to watch like his outlook on nutrition and hearing things because now he he appreciates it he sees what a big difference it really can make um and it is nice having his support now like well are right like are you sure you want that white
1: claw. (laughs) Is it worth it? You know, (laughs) you're going to bitch about it tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And then they're like, um, actually maybe you shouldn't have that because I like you better when you're feeling better. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Okay. Let's be honest. Do you love your website? If you don't, I've got to tell you my friends, Jen and Jeff have launched a new collection of their killer website templates today. And it's, A-plus. A few of my favorites and the one I used was the Manhattan. Yes, they're all based off of cocktails. That alone won me over. What I love about Tonic is they allow you to have totally unique, awesome websites at a fraction of the cost. These babies typically cost like $20,000. You don't have to learn how to code. It's drag and drop like it's hot. (laughs) These aren't your typical templates. Super unique, designed to convert built with a ton of strategy and even copy prompts. Yes, copy prompts. So you know what the hell to put about yourself. You know what I'm saying? And it's so easy to use and update anytime I have a great idea. Use my special discount code, Reckoning15 for 15% off your new design by going to tonicsiteshop.com and use again the code Reckoning15. And I know what you're thinking. If you're like, That's a big investment. That's a big investment. They have payment plans and my code works for those too. Give your website the love it deserves by going to tonicsiteshop.com and entering my code RECKONING15 for 15% off your new killer website design. So from at that point, are you starting to like prep your own food and starting to like play around with dehydrating food?
1: Yeah, my... After I graduated from college, so this is whatever, what year is this? I graduated in 2010. That year I was invited on my first Grand Canyon rafting trip. So 20 some odd days. Again, I have not camped very much. Like I've done Mm -hmm. a lot of rafting, but not a lot of camping. And for whatever reason, I just signed myself up for a 20 some odd day, like very remote rafting trip. And I had made that transition to a paleo primal diet. And so when I got the menu from the trip leader, like, Hey, this is the food that we're packing for this extended adventure. I was like, Oh no, (laughs) I can't eat Velveeta mac and cheese and canned chicken on day 16 and think that I'm going to be worth a damn. (laughs) So in a fit of, panic I dehydrated 50 pounds of food like I literally wow. went and bought a dehydrator lived in my dad's garage for three weeks and just dehydrated stuff whether it was turkey jerky or I made mashed purple sweet potatoes those were super good I made fruit leather wow. I made what would eventually become macaroons like that was a really fun recipe to play with Hell yeah and showed up for this rafting trip with just a big old duffel bag full of dried food and that trip I ate like a queen right just like I had so much good stuff that I had made and I was so pumped about it like there was something really random. It was like shredded pork with dried cranberries and sweet potatoes. And I remember sitting on my raft, eating this from a little pot and being like, I'm a genius. (laughs) This is so good. (laughs) This shit is so good. Yeah. So that was 2000, late 2010 into 2011. And on that trip, you know, there were people like my friend Jason that I had just met on this river trip who would I think it was three years later was my first angel investor in Heather's choice, Mm -hmm. but he got to see like the, the really first stages of me dehydrating all this stuff, putting it into court size Ziplocs, you know, hand drawing labels and just like being so enamored with this whole creative project that I had going, which was just Mm -hmm. my favorite things, good quality food, packable, so I could take it on adventures. So the idea for Heather's Choice, I really feel like percolated in that late 2010, early 2011. And then the whole idea just kind of sat for a few years, right? Like didn't do anything with it. It was just something cool that I would do in my spare time, like make jerky, make fruit leathers, whatever. And then in 2014, I moved back home to Alaska and sort of the the passion and the excitement for this idea just came back in full force. And so I moved back to Alaska and spent that entire summer dehydrating food for my own trips or dehydrating food and just giving it away to people, right? Like people were going to Burning Man. They were going on sea kayaking trips. They were going on bike packing trips. And I was just like, here, take this with you. Like, I want your feedback. And by August of that summer, my buddy Jason sat me down and he's like, look, I can tell you're excited about this. The food is really good. Like, what is it gonna take for you to turn this into a business? And I was like, well, right now I'm using tabletop dehydrators and mm-hmm. I'm house sitting cause I don't have a place to live. I've like just moved back to Alaska and figuring my shit out. And I'm I'm just like doing this on such a small scale. Like there's nothing, mm-hmm. My capacity is like eight meals a day. Hmm. So he drove me down to the local Cabela's and we bought the largest dehydrator they had, which was the size of a wine cooler. And he gave me a place to live in his fourplex and said, you know, you can paint the other apartments in exchange for free rent and helped me get an EIN and a business license and was like, I freaking dare you to do this. (laughs) So that will be eight years ago in august which <laughs> is so crazy to think back on
0: <laughs> hell yes to friends like jason man
1: mm-hmm. yeah again i have i've been really fortunate to have just really good people in my life and really good role models and people who consistently kind of push me to my edge
0: you're like okay i'm doing this and like jason's invested basically into me i'm doing it what was the first thing how did you go about like here's my first product and promoting it
1: oh my gosh (laughs) i appreciate that you think i had a plan (laughs) um i i had a few recipes that i was really geeked on like the first versions of smoked sockeye salmon chowder was another one of those like oh my gosh i'm a genius moments like i remember (laughs) making that in probably june or july for the first time and it was just a recipe that i loved right like i wanted those good quality omega-3 fats that you get from salmon i wanted it to be somewhat paleo friendly so it had coconut milk powder instead of milk powder and it was just like reminiscent of a meal that i would eat at home and so all of the first recipes whether it was dark chocolate chili or there was a tomatillo rancheros like these were all recipes that I had made at home for myself and then thrown them on a dehydrator tray and been like, let's see if they dehydrate. <laughs> uh, so then I also, once again, got really lucky. Somebody, I was trying to launch my website on WordPress, right? Like I had gotten mm-hmm. heatherschoice.com, launched a WordPress site, and thankfully somebody was like, no. <laughs> Do not launch your business on WordPress. Like it's not set up for e-commerce, like don't do it. you got to switch over to Shopify. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what an e-commerce site was. I didn't like, I had no concept <laughs> of what I was doing, but thankfully I spent basically the first two weeks of August learning to set up a Shopify site, listing products for sale. Like I don't even think that I used there was no product packaging because the packaging wasn't created i hand drew all of the labels for the first few months of the business and Mm. when i went live august 15th of 2014 immediately we got coverage in the local newspaper right like it was a cool up-and-coming new business and i had a friend from high school that worked at the paper and so she wrote this whole two-page article about heather's choice and i remember like looking at my phone and it was just like ding 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 like all these orders started coming in and i was like oh no (laughs) i'm making all of this stuff myself like in the most inefficient way possible right like going to the fred meyer and buying onions and carrots and bison and like bringing it home and then cooking it in a crock pot and then dehydrating it and then putting it in bags and hand, labeling it and driving it to the post office. Like there was nothing efficient about what I was doing. Uh, but it got really organic attention because at the time there wasn't a really healthy dehydrated or freeze dried food option. It was basically mountain house, Backpackers, Alpine Air, kind of like those older, uh, archaic brands that like everybody's pretty familiar with. So we were sort of the first mm-hmm. to really appeal to people who also had maybe autoimmune conditions or were following a paleo oriented diet, or were following a gluten-free diet. Like we were definitely at sort of, we, I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was kind of at the cutting edge without even realizing it without knowing what I was getting myself into so yeah it grew really 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 organically and we were also really fortunate that the hunting community picked up on us within the first three months of launching and hunters and the whole hunting community has continuously been the biggest chunk of our customer base ever since then
0: did you ever have those moments when starting it looking at all these other big companies that already have these mills out and think like, well, they're already doing it. Like, did you have that imposter syndrome ever? No. Cause you knew you were coming in from a different angle.
1: I, I don't think that that really took up much bandwidth in my mind because I did feel like what I was creating was so differentiated, right? Because I had mm-hmm. attempted to pack for my own trips and didn't find what I was looking for. I didn't find mm-hmm. something gluten-free I didn't find something organic. I didn't find something made with grass fed meats or wild caught fish. Like it just wasn't what I was looking for. And when I started the business, there was no dreams and hopes and goals and aspirations of being like, even competing with those big companies. I was just doing something that I was excited about and just going for it and trying it on for size. So I think that those first. Twelve months of Heather's Choice were just really uh innocent in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I was just trying it.
0: <laughs> you're like the true version of launch hard and fast and figure it out as you go kind of a thing.
1: Totally. <laughs> yeah.
0: So at that point it's just you. Do you make it through is there a point where you're like, okay, I need to upgrade what I'm doing or get help? was that like your first, the first year?
1: Yeah. So again, this was so flippin' rocky, uh, in the first three months. So this would have been August, September, October, kind of into the first part of November. It was clear as day that what I was doing was not sustainable, right? Like I was Mm -hmm. staying up all hours of the night, chopping vegetables, cooking stuff, dehydrating, shipping things. Like it was madness so the business pretty well shut down november through i want to say like june like just sorry like we don't have anything for you yeah out of stock (laughs) yeah totally and then i ended up going back to colorado and reconnecting with friends down there who worked in a commissary kitchen and i was like okay you guys i've got these recipes i've got this idea I've got more demand than I can keep up with. Like, can you make the product and dehydrate it? So I bought them this humongous commercial dehydrator, like the size of a two-door fridge, right? And was like, okay, now I need your help scaling up these recipes. And like, looking back on it, it was just, there's so much about it that was so ridiculous, but I was just so hell-bent on making this work. So by the end of 2015, I had gotten a little bit of scale, a little bit of support. And I also realized like, man, uh, I need more capital. Like I don't don't have the money to like keep playing this game. So we launched a Kickstarter campaign at the end of 2015. And to my surprise, we raised $52,000 in five weeks. And every single dime of it went towards buying the next commercial dehydrator, uh, the next, or no, the first rendition of our custom size packaging. Like to this day, I think that Heather's Choice has some of the smallest packaging on the market, which was Mm -hmm. a really key piece for me because I can remember back to my 10 day backpacking trips and being like, dude, this, like, this food needs to pack down as small and as tight as possible. So I think I spent 30 some odd thousand dollars on packaging it within the first 16 months of starting the business. It was scary. And then flashing forward to the end of 2017, my co-packing arrangement that i had had 15, 16, 17 was falling apart, right? Like, I was trying to manage a co-packer from, you know, from Alaska to Colorado, however many thousands of miles away. Uh, I had no concept of quality control. I had no concept of cash flow, inventory management. Like none of those things were on my radar. All I knew was that people were trying to buy this stuff and like I didn't have enough of it. And we were dealing with all sorts of again quality control issues where we didn't know what temperature to dehydrate the food at and so batches of food would go out that were basically charred to a crisp right Mm. because like
0: yeah
1: if you can dehydrate it at 165 uh does it dehydrate faster if you do it at 200 Mm. uh maybe but you also end up with something that's comparable to like burnt cookies so
0: Mm.
1: it was super messy really hard really ugly for probably two and a half years and then in 2017 we ended up deciding and again this is there is a we now my boyfriend brad and i are now running the business uh we decided to buy an old coffee shop here in anchorage Mm -hmm. uh, and we moved the entire business back here to alaska and it was one of the best decisions that we've ever made because now the business actually is poised for growth and there's been so many things that we've learned about manufacturing and building a team and distribution and so many things have happened since we made that move back to alaska at the end of 2017 but again there was a couple years there that it was just dark and scary and Mm -hmm. uncertain and frustrating for everybody involved because I didn't have enough knowledge to confidently lead a co-packer and to really instruct them on how to make the product in a large scale. Uh, so yeah, those years were just—they were wicked. <laughs> I guess I'll just <laughs> put it that way. It's a miracle that we are still here today. Let's just say that.
0: It's always nice to hear everybody's backstory, though, because it's so easy to look at like where they are now and you see. It looks so shiny, right? But it, it's hardly ever just shiny all along the way.
1: No, it's so unbelievably hard. And I feel like anytime I do a podcast interview, I, I'm pretty sure I point to this. Like I've had a million opportunities to quit. And I, mm-hmm. I do believe that a large subset of people that would have been met with some of the really big gnarly ugly challenges that we ran into like they would have thrown in the towel on it and I'm not convinced there won't come a day that I'll be like oh (laughs) maybe I should have like you know gave up on this like there's still like even though we're eight years into it there's still that question of like are we going to make it right Mm -hmm. and I think for myself I'm so hellbent on being successful and seeing something through to fruition, that I'm willing to endure a lot of ugly, a lot of scary, a lot of hard. And I feel like that's, some like, for the listeners, like, I think that that's a really good question to ask yourself of, like, what are you willing to to really go all in on and like no matter how hard it is it's like being in a relationship relationships are freaking hard and like Mm -hmm. it gets ugly at times and it gets really scary and you go through really dark periods but on the other side of that you have something that's really got some some worth some meat to it some substance and I feel like it's so easy nowadays to to try something on for size and then to be like hmm this is hard. This isn't for me. I don't really like this. And then move on to the next thing. And I feel like we lose a lot with that attitude versus sticking with something long enough that you actually see it through to fruition and reaping the benefits of that entire experience. And would I do this all over again? Probably not because (laughs) it was really bad. But I also recognize now, like my tolerance level for stress and for challenge is so much higher than it was Mm -hmm. when I started the business.
0: Oh, yeah. No, there's days that I have that are really hard or something comes through and I handle it and then I kind of step back and I'm like, huh, like I handled that pretty damn well. Like old me would have not. Right. (laughs) it definitely gives you moments of gratitude to look back on things. And yeah. Oh man. starting a business, man. It's not for the faint of heart. I would imagine too. Cause you watched your dad, you said, be an entrepreneur. Do you think mm-hmm. you've got a lot of that maybe passed down to you after watching him do things like that?
1: I think so. I remember my dad really early on saying like, just hang up your shingle, right. And see what happens. And I feel like now, the business has its own momentum. Like we have a Mm -hmm. staff of 12 people that are all fired up and excited and committed and like really here for it. And then we have a customer base of thousands of people who are excited and pumped and like, can't wait for the next thing. And so now there's so much momentum that it doesn't feel like as heavy of a lift. Like I'm no longer pushing instead, I'm kind Mm -hmm. of being pulled a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's a really nice, Place to be in because there were so many years that I was just pushing this rock up the hill and like wondering if it was just going to start rolling backwards <laughs> and crush me and now I'm like okay we're about to sort of like crest the top of this hill and really start to see this thing like take on its own momentum which is kind of my, my dream scenario right mm-hmm. like even though it's got my name on it I hope that Heather's choice becomes something so much bigger than me and basically starts to stand up on its own two feet and like have a life of its own. Like, that's mm-hmm. really what I'm driving towards.
0: As you go through and you're doing that, I'm sure it's evolved so much over the years. I think you said you started with how many recipes?
1: I think I had, let's say, I had eight recipes to start. It was really wow. small.
0: And your packaroons, right? We're in the packaroon something that we're, and those are the best I highly recommend.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so fun. Packaroons have always been, I refer to them as our gateway drug. Like people yeah. try those and then they get curious <laughs> about everything else. And like uh-huh. in the early days with the packaroons, I would hand scoop all of them, right? And I'd probably make 30 mm-hmm. at a time and then hand pack them into little bags and, you know, seal them and label them front and back and all of that today we just set up our new cookie former so it's an automatic machine that deposits two cookies at a time so like wow i think now with our equipment and our setup we can make something like 60 cookies a minute or something it's ridiculous like how much more efficient we are now (laughs) And it's crazy that Packeroons also have sort of like a life of their own. They have their own little cult-like following. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. gosh, (laughs) this is so (laughs) crazy. But yeah, thank you for the kind words on the Packeroons. We make a shit ton of them and people love them. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I was, I got some to take on our robber's roost trip and we're down in the middle of the canyon, canyoneering. So we're there and what I have is what I have. And I got one eating it. My husband comes by like, let me try it. You know, like I'm the one that introduced you to Heather's choice. Let me try it. I'm like, okay, let him take a bite. And he's like, oh yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I only packed so many for
1: this trip. (laughs) These are
0: mine. (laughs) Don't even think about it, dude. They're good. Yeah. Even, and he doesn't like coconut. So that's saying a lot. I was like, oh, he's not going to like it. Nope. He's (laughs) in for it. How do you go about finding new recipes? And creating new recipes
1: this is a good question in the early days like i mentioned it was basically me making something at home enough times like the dark chocolate chili recipe our original grass-fed bison chili recipe that we had i literally would make that for myself once a week at home and that was that's been sort of historically where the heather choice recipes come from like it's something that i've just made on repeat and i'm like i think i can dehydrate this (laughs) Thankfully, in the last year, we hired one of our team members named Brittany, and oh, nice. she came into the business and was like, Oh, you know, I have a culinary background. And I was like, You do. <laughs> Tell me more. Cause I don't like, I can make a badass home cooked meal, but like, I don't have any professional mm-hmm. culinary training. And so this past year, so 2021. Brittany and I spent all of the fourth quarter together in the kitchen. Like I would pick her up on my way to the kitchen on a Saturday morning. We'd get coffees. We would come in and we would literally sit with like a two burner and two burner induction burner and Mm -hmm. make like really small batches of stuff, whether it was the lentil soup or it was the shepherd's pie. We'd make these little baby batches, put it in the dehydrator, come back the next day and like taste test everything. So now the adventure menu, I can come with the concepts and say like, I really want a shepherd's pie. I think it's gonna be a huge hit. Like everybody loves like mashed potatoes and everybody loves veggies and grass-fed beef and all of that. But like Brittany really headed up the recipe development on that meal and like made it as awesome as it is today. Or she helped me refine the marinara sauce for the mom spaghetti uh like making 40 gallons of marinara sauce is like really challenging to figure out how much salt you add to something that size right <laughs> yeah so having a team member like Brittany has completely changed the game on our product development because i now have somebody that i can just say like here's a concept go play with it go try it and then she really spearheads all of the small batch recipe development, the taste testing, the scaling the recipe up. And that's where, again, it kind of points to the business now having sort of its own momentum where like, I don't have to be the one to actually physically do all the heavy lifting on product development. And if anything, my team is just like chomping at the bit for the opportunity to develop new recipes and to get them out there in the world. And that is. A just sigh of relief for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine because now you're almost back to that point where it's like the passion's there and you're the creator and the creative with it versus the workhorse having to do it all. Yeah. It gives you that space. I'll bet that is just a fun day being able to like come up with something, play with the spices, drink coffee.
1: Oh, it is fun. And it's really fun for somebody like Brittany. She has five kiddos, a sixth one on the way. And like, there's a lot of longevity in this for her to like continue to tweak and play and refine. And it adds so much value to the business to have somebody developing new products. And yeah, I think that that's where I'm finding myself is realizing, okay, I've, I've done some of these other pieces. Like what's next for me in the business? What's the next piece for me to learn and to really master, uh, Cause yeah, most of our staff wasn't there in the early days when Brad and I would hand scoop pack and dehydrate them all night and then pack them up in the morning and then go to work all day and do it all over again.
0: <laughs> oh man, I'll bet. You're just going to sit back and watch that machine making those pack Just like, Whoa.
1: Oh yeah. Like it's, it's so dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs>
0: what does a day in the life look like now for you because you mentioned it used to be get up in the morning dehydrate it come back pack it while you were working but now you are full-blown heather's choice you've got 12 people what does a day in the life look like as heather of heather's choice
1: uh this is it's really It's ridiculous. I'll just say that. (laughs) Um, I, when Brad and I got together, so Brad and I met three days after I started the business, we met at a dive bar and we've been together ever since. (laughs) (laughs) And when I met Brad pretty early on, I was like, you know, the one thing I really want is like coffee in bed. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's my thing. And Mm -hmm. he keyed in on on that really quickly of like, I'm trying to impress this girl. I'm going to bring her coffee in bed. Well, good job, Brad. Eight years of coffee <laughs> in bed. So the streak is still very strong. So I start my day just like chilling out for the first hour. I spend a lot of time with my journal. I pull tarot cards. I will use my planner. I will just like kind of get my head screwed on straight for the day and just make sure that energetically I, I know where I'm at right? Mm -hmm. Because when I show up to the business, people do feed off of my energy. Like it's either good or it's bad, right? Like either I have a positive influence or I'm pulling everybody down. So I take that Mm -hmm. really seriously. Uh, typically then it's, you know, we have 11 animals in the backyard. We have Django, the dog, Uh we have three bunnies and seven chickens. So like make sure all of the critters (laughs) are fed. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then I would say by like nine or 10 o'clock, I'm probably getting settled into emails and Slack messages and just making sure that the team like really has what they need. I manage a lot of the financial side of the business. So I spend a lot of time either working on our cash flow plan or fundraising or just working on financial projections. Like that's really the spot that I... Feel like I provide the most value to the business right now is managing the finances. And so that's actually really fun for me to mm-hmm. kind of be doing that work. I also will spend a pretty significant portion of time talking with my business mentors, setting strategy and vision for the business. And then finally, another creative project I get to work on is supporting our team member, Brooke, on all things marketing. So that might be social media posts. It might be working on our email marketing. It might be creating assets for that, like doing our food photography. It's you know something pretty creative in the day that's content oriented. And then I put in my little headphones and I go to the gym and tune out mm-hmm. the entire world for like an hour and a half and just don't think about work, don't check my email, like whatever it is, I am not available for that chunk of time and then come home and hang out with Brad and make us a bomb ass dinner and call it a day. So it's like, it's very, very simple right now, I would say like for the most part and Mm -hmm. Brad and I don't have kids. We just have all these little critters running around in the backyard. Uh, So it feels like we're in a really sweet spot of just, yes, we have to take care of our team and make sure they have the things that they need to keep the business operating, but there's a lot less, heavy lifting as far like physical heavy lifting for us of making the product it's so much more enabling and then also making sure that everybody's crystal clear on where we're going and how the heck we're going to get there
0: well and you've probably like well i know you have you've worked really freaking hard to get to that point that was probably at one point like that would be my ideal day
1: Yeah, I think, I think now as I start to craft my ideal day, there is much, 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 much more time for like my own personal creative pursuits. And so even now at Heather's Choice, a year ago, we instituted the four-day work week. So our, our whole team works four nines. And so everybody has three-day weekends ideally. And those days that I have off from the business, like I'm actually at that point that I can legitimately check out and I don't have to check social media. I don't have to check my email. Like there should be nothing really, really pressing or on fire for my three days off. So then it it really allows me to feel creative again, whether it's gardening mm-hmm. or it's making tinctures or it's like baking, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just something that is wholly unrelated to the business. and that feels monumental because I know so many entrepreneurs who find themselves completely absorbed by the business 24 seven. And I'm really grateful right now at this phase of my life Mm -hmm. that there can be significant chunks of time that I am completely checked out.
0: That recharge does a lot for somebody too, having that little reset.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a huge selling point for our, as we're onboarding new team members, like letting them know that they get a three-day weekend, they get an extra 50 days off a year. Like it's been a really fantastic way for us to recruit and keep team members. And it's been really healthy for Brad and I to also have that separation from the business.
0: I'll bet that helps a lot with like rapport. And I would assume you're seeing, I've heard other people say that they notice a big performance difference in their teams by doing that as well.
1: Yeah. I think everybody needs that extra day. Two day weekends is just they're not enough. <laughs> they're not enough. <laughs> no one needs the
0: Sunday scaries. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of my biggest tips when I talk to people or just anybody that's getting started in going adventuring, whether it's hiking or hunting, or even I get talking to my guy friends that are like trained to get, especially their girlfriends, their wives, their daughters out. I'm always like, look, dude, for some damn reason, you guys like men in general are like, I don't know. I have a granola bar. Like they're totally fine. Not having snacks or a good meal. (laughs) And I am like the opposite. I will, I am happy to carry the extra weight knowing that I have food. I'm going to enjoy myself. I have all the snacks. That's my biggest tip. I know from what I've heard that you enjoy like thinking of packing for a trip. So if someone was going for like a three-day hike where they're spending two nights where would you say to somebody like this is what you should pack that i think you would enjoy what do you yeah. need Cause so many people are like so daunted and like i don't want to think about that
1: totally i like if somebody invites me on a river trip and even if we're not eating heather's choice we're you know going rafting and we can bring a kitchen sink and a dutch oven and coolers and all of that like packing the food i always volunteer for that. (laughs) I'm like, I'll do it. I'll take care of it because I know that I'm going to eat good. And like the creativity of like preparing the menu is super fun. So I would default back to people really thinking about what are the foods that you actually like to eat? So like, Mm -hmm. if I really like apples and that's something that I eat every single day, like you're probably going to find one of those in my pack, or maybe I will go through the effort of dehydrating apples. When I think about dinners for everybody, like making sure everybody's getting enough protein, especially if you're packing food for like the men in your life, they want something that's got some real meat to it, right? Mm-hmm. And they want something that's going to leave them feeling really satiated. So that's why we have so many meals like the shepherd's pie, the grass-fed bison chili, things that are really rich in protein. And then, you know, again, if you're that person that's like, "Hey, like having you know, some, a glass of wine and like a square of dark chocolate, like bring a can of wine and a bar of chocolate and like make it to where you're out there. Like maybe in your tent, maybe you're getting to sit outside. Maybe the weather's great. Maybe the weather's terrible, but you kind of have like your little creature comforts. Mm. And then obviously instant coffee, like that's, that's a no brainer. (laughs) I bring extra for those times when you're like, it's three o'clock. The weather is shit. I'm going to take a moment and boil water and make myself a cup of coffee and everything will be okay in my world. Yeah. Find some positivity. (laughs) Yeah, And then same thing, like just making sure that you're similar to probably how you and I both eat at home, right? Like there's some sort of protein at every meal. There's some sort of vegetables, there's fruits, there's like kind of our favorite things, like whether it's nut butters or whatever, like the diet that I will eat, on a backcountry trip is not radically different than I what I would eat at home. Whether that's because I'm mm-hmm. using Heather's Choice meals, or if I'm planning the menu for a river trip, it's like okay, everybody needs some sort of animal protein in my opinion at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They need fruits, they need vegetables, they need some fun to eat foods like macaroons or chocolate or mixed nuts or whatever, and then drinks like plenty of drinks because we all get sick of drinking just regular old water.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> so yeah. And that's so the true. beauty of like the, I think that's the beauty of the Heather's choice menu is that anything that we offer is going to very, very, very closely resemble a home cooked meal. So I feel confident that mm-hmm. people could buy, you know, three dinners, three breakfasts, a handful of pack rooms, and then supplement with your favorite jerkies and trail mixes and this, that, and the other. And you would have a great trip and you'd have plenty to Mm -hmm. eat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, I agree. When that trip that I was talking about down to robber's roost, I was actually showing my sister, she's a huge foodie. Food blogger, all the things, recipe developer, and I was so excited. I'm like, you have to look at look at my menu. I was so excited. I'm like, because for me, and you know this, I didn't want to get somewhere and be stuck down in the bottom of a canyon, feeling like shit and miserable, and with family and irritated and all the things. So when I was able to find Heather's Choice and do that, and I started showing her, I'm like, look, spinach chicken and you know the curry and the rice, and she's like, oh my gosh, and And it makes a big difference having something that you're excited about because genuinely every time I'd pull something like I was already planning. I'm like, oh, like it's been a hot day. I'm going to have this or a glass of wine sounds really good tonight. You know, it would be good with that glass of wine, like some spaghetti.
1: Totally. (laughs) And it does
0: make such a big difference when you know that you're going to be when you're excited to eat it instead of thinking like, oh, I just have another protein bar or another mill that's dry and disgusting. So I do think doing the extra effort of planning that and thinking you raise a good point, kind of eating like you would at home.
1: Yeah. And bringing your, your favorite creature comforts and just making it to where your, your food's going to be taken care of. And that part's going to feel comfy, cozy versus like you say, putting yourself out in the elements, in a new place, dealing with weather, dealing with group dynamics, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it being like, oh, I'm so hungry. (laughs) (laughs) It won't be enjoyable.
0: (laughs) No, no, nobody wants me hangry. And we know now that's like, I I will pack all the food. Nobody wants me hungry. And I don't want to be around anybody else that's hungry either. So if you need a snack, I got a snack for you.
1: Yeah, I will (laughs) always overpack food for Brad because he he'll get hangry just like the rest of us. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, do you need to like take a break and eat something. And yeah, yeah, I think that that's such a gift that we can give to people is kind of taking care of them nutritionally. Right. Like that's kind of our mothering energy is like, I got you, Mm -hmm. I'll take care of you.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think a lot of appreciation goes out to you and Heather's choice because it's, it really is a game changer for somebody like me, who's trying to go out and enjoy themselves and continue to enjoy themselves and not get sick and continue to stay eating what I normally eat and have the vegetables in it, which is another big thing. And the fiber it, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like my raving review for Heather's Choice is I was regular for four days. I don't know if I should put that. Online.
1: Oh, we get that <laughs> all the time. I should like put together a folder in my inbox of like people talking about their digestive system on their recent yeah. trip. <laughs>
0: I know. <laughs> I'm like, I told, I'm like, should I tell her I got my poop sticker this trip? He's like, please don't.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. We're here for it. We like, again, in our Slack channel, there should just be a Slack channel. That's like hashtag poop, you know, people telling us about their bowel movements after a Heather's choice meal. It's a thing. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> it's appreciated. If you've done anything different than
0: that, <laughs> it goes a long ways. Thank you so much for coming on. What upcoming adventures do you have coming? Do you have any new recipes? Is there anything exciting you can tell us about?
1: Let's see. We are working to expand our door distribution. So in the coming year, I'm hoping that you will see us in more REIs in more sportsman's warehouse and more independent stores. We are working on a couple of new recipes for next year that I can't tell you about. Uh, but we do have seasonal pack coming up in the fall again. So last year we had candy cane, Santa's cold, ginger snap, eggnog, and people went nuts for the seasonal pack Um. So definitely keeping an eye out for that. And if people haven't already tried the morning glory oatmeal, the spinach curry with chicken and rice, or. Mm -hmm. The snickerdoodle pack rooms, those are all new products that we launched this year and they are so freaking good. Like the morning glory oatmeal is a freaking work of art. And the spinach curry with chicken and rice is my like go-to
0: lunch. It's my favorite.
1: (laughs) It's really good.
0: It it is so good.
1: Yeah. I personally, I really don't have, usually I have a big river trip on the horizon or something like that. And Mm -hmm. this year I've really settled into one being here working on the business, but then also really being home and really enjoying that and not kind of fighting it. Like we kind of talked about earlier, you go through these different phases in your life and these different seasons. And I'm definitely in the Mm -hmm. season of being home, tending to the garden, keeping the animals alive, like investing in our home any way that I can. And it feels really good. Mm -hmm. I'm into it.
0: That is good. Sometimes sitting back and doing nothing is, is great. Oh, it's and sometimes we adventure too much. And I'm like, I just need to be home with my toes in my grass.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Like I am, I'm all here for that and just settling in and not feeling the pressure of packing too much into a summer. No, thanks. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Been there, done that. Well, Heather, where can everybody find you?
1: They can come say hello uh, to Heather's Choice on Instagram. We're just at Heather's Choice. Uh, Also encourage people to check out the Heather's Choice website and shop the full adventure menu. We currently have eight dinners, six breakfasts, and eight paparoon flavors. And if I have anything to say about it, there will come a day when we will have our own jerkies and trail mixes and hot drinks and all the things. So I'm sure you get all the
0: requests.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like if I had a nickel for every time somebody requested like a Heather's Choice energy bar, I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I can't believe we're going to compete in the energy bar market, but it's coming. Then if people want to come say hello on my personal Instagram, it's at Heather Teresa Kelly. And I share, you know, photos of the bunnies and Django the dog and just kind of my like home life and kind of the stuff that keeps me really grounded outside of work
0: well thank you so much for coming on heather i appreciate it
1: yeah thanks for having me it was fun
0: please don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. It seriously helps more than, you know, if you took something away from this podcast or you enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of you listening to it or a selfie and tag us on Instagram at the reckoning podcast or me at Brittany.long. We're excited to chat with you next week.